All right, so I've been working on reading a scripture that has been kind of really striking me as like so irrelevant to us, each one of us. And it's from Isaiah chapter 42. We did a Bible study on this, a little bit of one on Friday, but um, I've been reflecting on it further since then. And I just want to read it to you. It's like, uh, seems maybe like it's a long ways back in the past, which it is. <laughs> Sometimes, like the scriptures, the reason they're, they're still with us is because they've spoken for, you know, for thousands of years from, from generation to generation. And so let's see if this one will speak to you all. It's uh, Isaiah 42. I'm going to just read the first little part of it. And then we're going to move around a little bit in different places in the Bible. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights. Um, so anyway, um, well, I'm going to read that again. Behold my servant. So the servant's being uh, introduced. Hey, everybody, here's my servant. Would be maybe a way that we would say it um, today or something like that. Like, how do you introduce people, Lorinda? Here's my friend. Okay. So um, God calls him my servant. And the word servant actually can mean like my, my child. So it's not always just like the idea of a servant, like you're my servant. Um, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him or her. She or he will bring forth justice to the nations. So how would you feel if somebody like God, okay, not just somebody, God, God introduced you that way to a bunch of people, like, like to the whole world and just said, um, hey, here is my servant, um, Chucky, you know, um, here's my servant, um, Robin, like, uh, who I stand behind hundred percent. Like I uphold Chucky. I uphold Robin. Um, I chosen, I've chosen, chosen them, you know, I've chosen you in whom my, my soul, my whole being just delights, man. I delight in um, carols, the carols, the two carols, there they are, all of us, like, like this is um, God introducing God's, uh, God's people, right, um, or is it God's people, who is the servant, anyway, we were looking at that last week, and actually the servant is a term in Hebrew, it's evet, which means servant or child, and almost always refers to Israel, the people of Israel as a whole, but um, when they were in their most broken down state, like pre-treatment, you know, pre, uh, you know, like even after the warrants had been issued and they've been arrested and they were in the hole. Okay, it's like when they were in the hole be before they'd really gotten their lives back together, you know, right when they were like in the process of just having been violated, like for the 20th time, you know, for just breaking rules and, you know, and just disobeying, right? So Israel is, was in a total mess, okay? And here's an example of that. Um, chapter 42, it says, Hear you deaf, and look you blind that you may see. Who is blind but my servant? Or deaf, or so deaf as my messenger who I've, who I've um, sent, who I send. I don't think I want to be introduced that way. Would you want to be introduced that way? Uh, who's so deaf as my servant Bob? It's so blind as my servant Bob. 
here he is, my servant Bob, who's so deaf and so blind. Okay. Um, who's blind as, um, as, my, as the servant of the Lord? You have seen many things, but you don't observe them. Your eyes are open, but none hears. What do you, think? you know, do you know anyone like that? Have you ever been in that state where you were just not seeing, not hearing, like completely, like uh, clueless? Has that ever been you? It's been me for sure. Have you ever been in a state like that? Okay, well, you qualify then to be God's servant, even in that state. Okay, because the servant is called my servant. Uh, who I hold, who I stand behind, I put my spirit upon her, him, um, like in that state of being blind and deaf, okay? Which is really cool because usually we think in order to be qualified to be a servant of the Lord, you've got to be like pretty righteous, you know? You've got to definitely have clean UAs and, you know, be on the straight and narrow and just be like, got to have done like which step how far how many steps along do you think you'd have to get in order to be qualified to be a servant of the lord according to the way people think probably like the 10th step or somewhere like that how many years clean and sober would you have to be to qualify okay yeah so imagine if you introduce yourself at a, at a 12-step meeting saying i'm bob ekblad servant of the lord instead of i'm bob ekblad alcoholic or addict or whatever right this is what god is this is the way God's introducing the broken down servant of God's people, us, you know, um, here, here she is, here he is, right? Okay, let's see if that's really true. Okay, so it goes on. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness sake to make the teaching great and glorious. But this is people plundered and um, exploited. All of them are trapped in caves. All are hidden away in prisons. They have become a prey with none to deliver them and a spoil with none to say, give them back. Okay. Has that ever been you? Have you ever been like trapped in a prison and with no one advocating for you? No one saying, hey, let them out. Let my people go. Have you ever been in that state where you were like in a deep depression or maybe you were suicidal or maybe you were just like not wanting to be clean? And maybe you wanted to just take a little bit too much so that you would just disappear, right? Has that ever been you? Do you know anyone like that? Okay, well, look, you qualify to be the servant of the Lord. You qualify right there in the way you are then. Not afterwards, um, right then and there. In fact, if you haven't bottomed out, you kind of don't qualify, okay? Because that's the whole problem with religion. People that haven't bottomed out and stayed in a place of humble, um, recognition of their brokenness they're the ones that don't qualify because they think that they've made it and they think that they found it and they think they're superior and they condescend and they look down and uh and and god can't work very easily with a person like that okay being blind is um is something that god calls his people and if you look back in isaiah 6 uh the people were so messed up at that point in the story this is way pre, um, even pre-incarceration. The people of God were, uh, this is before they got, um, they lost everything. And they kind of uh, went, you know, just experienced the, the, the consequences of all their 
uh, Vida Loca, their crazy life, right? And they're just their idolatrous practices and all the messed up lifestyle that they were in. Uh, the prophet Isaiah was supposed to go tell them, keep on listening, but don't perceive. Keep on looking, but don't understand. And um, here uh, says, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and return and be healed. And then the prophet says, how long, O Lord? Is, that, is it going to be like that where people are blind and deaf? And God says, until cities are devastated and without inhabitants, houses are without people, and the land's utterly desolate. It's going to be, it's going to take that long because that's how long it takes for people to wake up a lot of times in order to bottom out, okay, and really be through with just your own way, doing it my way, okay, often we have to just crash. Okay, and that's a good thing if we've gotten it over with, right? It's terrible, the whole process of it and being there is terrible, but that's the ground zero for, the, for being raised up, okay? And it's that state of, of, being, of being messed up like that that uh, makes you completely available to be part of the, the Jesus movement, okay? And if you haven't been down to that point and you don't really need God to save you because you can just do it yourself and your way is the... You think still think that your way is the best way. Well, then you haven't you haven't you haven't come to that point yet of, of, of being ready to be recruited. You know, you're ready to be recruited when you, when there's no other options because man, life has just sucked, and it's not looking like it's going to get better soon, right? So that's when you cry out, "God, have mercy upon me, a sinner, help me, save me," right? Okay, so now back to Isaiah 42. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. He or she will bring forth justice to the nations. Okay, do you think that people who haven't suffered in our criminal justice system know what justice is? Do you think people that haven't been on the bottom and suffered injustices? If you haven't suffered injustices, do you think you, you can really understand what justice is? I think the best people to, to be a pro promoting justice are people that have suffered from injustices, right? And so, but are they the ones that are running the country? No, no, they're not. You know, the people that are making all the laws and enforcing all the laws and um, prosecuting people aren't people usually who are in touch with, you know, their own their own brokenness okay sometimes they can be there's always a few out there who have an understanding and who are compassionate i've met judges who are compassionate judges very very few of them and i haven't i don't know that i've even met a single prosecutor yet okay but i'm i'm praying for them okay so check it out um look at the means that the servant uses he will not cry out or raise his voice, okay? He will not make his voice heard on the street, in the streets. So what's up with that? Is he just gonna be like, um, what, what, why do you think that the servant wouldn't um, raise his voice and, and be super upfront and out there with their faith? Why would they be so under the radar and, and gentle about the way they operated. So the servant of the Lord is supposed to bring justice to the nations, but not through 
making, um, crying out and raising up their voice or making their voice heard on the streets. Any ideas about that? Scared of persecution. Scared of persecution? Okay. Okay. Any other reasons? Has anyone ever, have you ever had anyone yelling at you to repent? Yes. How did that feel? Yeah. Has anyone condescended to you in the name of Jesus? Have you ever seen anybody act that way? Like the church? Have you ever experienced the church being super, like, like talking down to people and just saying turn or burn and just, you know, like really like being harsh? Yeah. Okay. I've seen a lot of that. You know, um, so, so it could be that there's an, there's a gentle way of being of this, that the servant is being recruited into because uh, people that have been traumatized and people that have been scolded and people that have been reprimanded and punished, they don't need someone yelling at them. Okay. A lot of us have been yelled at and we can be, we can be traumatized through being, being yelled at. Do you know anybody that's ever been traumatized through being yelled at by, by, by an authority figure? Anybody like that? Do you know anybody like that? Okay. So if, if seriously, like, um, I like that this, this servant of the Lord, God's people, uh, who've been through the, 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 all the trials that they're using an approach that is, that is, some, is an approach we'd want people to use with us, right? Like, we, don't we have an expression, don't preach to me, you know, because we, we think of preaching as being scolded, right? Being reprimanded, don't we? I don't know. I do. So um, a bruised reed, he will not break. So somebody that's already broken down and, and just barely crawling along through life, they don't need someone to just be harsh on them and just cause them to just collapse because they're hopeless, right? Uh, a dimly burning wick, they won't extinguish. So some, someone whose flame is just barely, I just talked to someone who's in a psychiatric hospital. They were forced there. They were taken in handcuffs and it's a lockdown facility in South Carolina. And, I, and they made the person get on Respiridol, Respiridol and in order to get out, they said, if you want to get out, you have to go on this dose of Respiridol. And so I said, well, how are you feeling now that you're on it? It's been the second day since I feel like there's a, there's like a curtain around my amount around my spirit. And the flame that I had just feels really faint. Like I just don't feel the way I used to feel. I don't feel like myself. Okay. That's really sad, you know. And so the servant is someone who doesn't use an approach that would cause anyone's flame to go out, you know, at all. Um, he will faithfully bring forth justice. So I love that faithfully bring forth justice. And then it goes on. Um, I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. And I appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness in the prison. I am the Lord and that is my name and I will not give my glory to another. I'm, you know, I'm not going to give my glory to anybody, but you all, you know, you're my servants and you've been through it and I'm raising you up out of the prisons, out of the trap houses, out of the streets, you know, out of the suburbs, some of us, out of the churches, some of us, I'm raising you up to, um, to, you know, to bring, to be a light to the nations, to, 
you know, to free, bring freedom to the prisoners and sight to the blind, right? Isn't that cool? So that's, this text is actually right, um, it's right behind one of the first things that Jesus preaches when he preaches from Isaiah 61. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to open the eyes of the blind, to set the captives free, right? You know that? This is the, this is the background for that. So let's look at how Jesus puts this into practice in Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew 12, we have um, Jesus, he, um, he goes to a synagogue, which is like a, a Jewish church in Matt on Saturdays. Um, and he went into, uh, and there was a man there whose hand was withered. And they questioned Jesus asking, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? so that they might accuse him because they knew it wasn't lawful according to their rules. Okay. But they were going to just see what Jesus was going to do so they could get down. on. Um, and he said to them, what man is there among you who has a sheep? And if it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, won't he take hold of it and lift it out? Maybe we'd say today, which one of you has a little chihuahua that if it, you know, fell into a well or, you know, down into, got caught in the sticker patch, sticker bushes or something, wouldn't you pull it out? Or if you had a pit bull that was your beloved little pet and something happened to it, wouldn't you try to rescue it? Do you guys know anyone that wouldn't rescue it on the Sabbath or on the Sunday or on whatever day of the week? Or if you had your kitty that was caught up in a tree and stuck on a branch? So Jesus is like touching people right where they have all of us live, right? He's saying, which one of you guys, if you had a beautiful little pet, if it was like its life was in danger, you wouldn't care if it was Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, church time, you know, wouldn't even matter because you, your heart, you, of course, you're going to take care of your little pet, your little pit bull or your chihuahua or your cat, right? You think? Okay. How much more valuable is a man than a sheep or a chihuahua or a pit bull, right? Or a woman. So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored to normal, just like the other. Would that have been amazing to witness that? Okay. So this is Jesus um, practicing this faithfully bringing forth justice, right? And bringing people who were um, someone who was really oppressed out into a life, the abundant life. But the Pharisees, they went out and they conspired against him as to how they might destroy him. So their reaction was, we got to kill this guy. He's trouble. He's ruining our whole law and order system. You know, he's breaking the rules. Okay, and we got to take, take him out, right? So check it out. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. So it's interesting. Jesus didn't um, decide to just go out and go to war with the Pharisees. You know, instead, he um, he did what a lot of us do when 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 the police when you know there's a warrant for your arrest. What do most people do that you know? I exactly. Okay, so Jesus, rather than confronting the authorities, he decides to go underground. Isn't that interesting? And this is something he does throughout the book of Matthew, over and over and over again. Whenever trouble comes, he doesn't defend himself. Okay, he doesn't, um, he doesn't fight and um, he doesn't argue. I mean, he, he does confront, but then he, 
he he goes uh, he withdraws okay and I think it's it's giving us some wisdom about how you know how we how maybe how we need to behave so that we can survive and not just survive but advance God's kingdom the kingdom of God because check it out this is really cool he, he withdraws but he doesn't back off from his mission instead he escalates his mission he withdraws from the conflict but he doesn't stop his mission instead he he does more of it okay like we've got we've had people criticize us gracie and i for certain things like when we started praying for healing people would say well you shouldn't pray for healing because that just if people aren't healed they're going to be disappointed and 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 besides you know doctors are the main way that we get healing and um and you know people got down on us for for praying for healing and so or we maybe we would pray for someone and then they would feel better then it would come back and then they would say well i thought i was better but now i'm worse and and so the temptation for us was to not pray anymore for healing when people would get down on us for for that or when people wouldn't get healed okay but look what jesus does so we we could withdraw from you know, and maybe you, you could think I'm going to share about my faith with someone. And then if someone gives you crap and, uh, and, and says, oh, you know, Robin's a Jesus freak now, you know, um, Lorinda's like, loves Jesus, you know, and, and people give, you know, give you crap for being a follower of Jesus, right? Then you could back off and just say, well, I don't want to be looked upon as a weirdo, as a religious nutcase. So I'm just going to just back off and I'm not going to be so religious, right? But look what Jesus does. Many followed him and he healed them all. I love that. He withdrew, but many people followed him because they liked the way he operated. Like they were moved by the way he dealt with that guy, right? Who was uh, who was withered, had the withered hand and in front of everybody. He gave the perfect example about a cat in a tree or in this case, a sheep in a pit, right? And then he just, could, he healed the guy. And he told the guy, stretch out your hand. So the guy even got the credit. There's a guy stretched out his hand and he was healed. So it looked like it was the guy that, you know, was kind of the, the guy that because of his stretching out his hand on the Sabbath, he was healed. Pretty cool. And um, many followed him and he healed them all. And he warned them not to tell. Um, this Bible says not to tell who he was. What is what does your Bible say? What do some of the other Bibles say? It's uh, Matthew 12, verse 16. What does it say? Warn them not to tell others about him. Not to tell others about him. Okay. You know, I looked this up really closely to see exactly what it said in the original language. And it, it doesn't quite say it like that. Literally what it says is he, he told people uh, not to, um, you know, not to make him public, not to out him, so to speak, right? Not to, uh, not to, not to, not to blast, put him on blast on Facebook or something, or, you know, not to just give him a bunch of PR. Why wouldn't he want everyone to know? Why wouldn't he want everyone to know what he was doing? Any ideas about that? Like I was just, we were singing the song, go and tell it on the mountain, shout it from the housetops, he's God. 
I was thinking that's the opposite of my sermon. <laughs> because this is talking about like a, a, a way of being that's way more almost like underground, like uh, covert guerrilla, you know, like. Well, it's incognito. Incognito. It's more like we're out there through relationships, building trust, humbly sharing, you know. Um, so in all of us, all of us qualified. You know, sometimes people think I'm not qualified because I'm not a preacher and I'm not, I don't know enough. Well, you don't have to know enough. If all you have to be is blind and deaf and plundered and imprisoned and, you know, and uh, all that and just broken down, then that's, that just, that's not very hard. You can just be who you are and just uh, humbly share about your faith. And that, that actually can go really far because if you're just a humble person sharing the movement of God in your life, that's going to go, that's going to touch somebody who's close to where you're at, right? Or maybe even lower than where you're at, right? I was um, at this gathering of all these uh, religious people on Thursday, and um, they were mostly white, older people, and in a big denominational gathering. And But there's a table. We had, Tianueva had a table, and this uh, the Yakima tribe had a table. Um, they had a group of Yakima native people, and there were other tables too. And I started to, um, I went over and I met the people at the table. And um, there was, I got introduced to this guy, this kid, but I didn't know how old he was. I said, how old are you? He says, 14. He looked like he was like 24. Because I think because of what he'd been through. And I just said something to him that kind of surprised me. I said, wow, I would love to. I'm so curious what you see through those eyes of yours, like how you see reality and what you think about the world. And he says, oh, I don't even know that I'd be able to say anything about that. I, I don't um, I don't think I have anything to say about that. And I said, oh, I doubt that's true. I, I can see that you, you've been through a lot of stuff and I bet, I bet you have a lot to say. And he says, well, no, um, well, a little bit. And then he started to open up and tell me about how he grew up, um, you know, in this uh, community where everyone was like using math, math and how his mom had been a meth user for, you know, for all of his life. And she relapsed several times and had been in treatment several times and relapsed, but then she's been clean now for, you know, for like a year or two and is doing really well. But how he had to be like an adult when he was like a little kid and he never had a childhood. He just started pouring out his heart and telling me a lot of things about the world that were just like the guy was like wise. I mean, he had he had a perspective, and I was just like I was blown away by the guy how how mature he was for a fourteen year old, right? Okay, so I believe I believe that there are people in this room, lots of people in this room, who have a huge amount of wisdom, huge amount of wisdom born of suffering that um, is going to reach if you start reaching out to the people in your circle. It's going to touch them far more than someone who hasn't suffered as much as you could reach them. Okay, I believe that's true. What do you think about that? I don't know. It's just my opinion. So Jesus says um, this was to fulfill. So he, he warned them not to tell, not to not to out him, not to make you know, not to make a big deal about him publicly. Okay. Because I think he wanted to go more 
secretively, more personally, more relationally, one-on-one -on -one going out. And he was about a movement of sending people out. Like he sent people out in twos to, to go to people's homes and to eat what they served them and, and then to pray for the sick. You know, Jesus was about a movement that was super low to the ground, real and just uh, authentic, okay? And then it says, um, this was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Behold my servant whom I've chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him. So Jesus was fulfilling what we just read. And he will, he will um, proclaim justice to the, to the nations. He will not... Um, they have my translation says quarrel. What does your Bible say in verse 19? Somebody quarrel. Any, anyone else have another word? He won't strive or express differences of opinion that where there's hostility or antagonism. That's what it means. Like we're not going to get into big arguments about, about stuff, right? He's not going to get into big arguments about, about, about God with people, right? Um, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. He's not going to be screaming it out, right? A battered reed he won't break off and a smoldering wick he won't put out until he, he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the, the nations will hope. So see, Jesus embodies this. But he points the way for us to be able to practice what he what he what he what he practiced, and so we can be students of Jesus and learn to do what he did, and that's what we're that's what we're here for. Actually, that's what our faith community is about. Is we want to all be trying to inspire each other to go out and practice the, the way that the ministry of Jesus, the way he practiced it. And what do you think? Does that interest you guys? Yeah, me too. I think it's really fun, actually, when you realize that it's not so hard and you can just be yourself. Okay. And um, has anyone ever had, has anyone, any of, you, any of you had an experience that you want to share where you've just tried to be yourself and bear witness to, to God's love? Anyone had an experience like that this week? Yeah. And, and you do want to share? Anyone want to share just any experience that you've had? Or last week, or recently, last year? Well, I, like I graduated for one of my classes, and you know, always think that what you got to say doesn't give it going to really be a lot. I'm used to my story. Um, and like when I started speaking it, I knew at the time that I could hear God was speaking that for whoever was in that moment. Um, I could feel that, and it was just like, I need to be very real. I need to be very careful, you know, and not to not to do any embellishing because I'm a good storyteller and I can embellish, but um, I God doesn't need any help, and I, and I know that He doesn't need any help. He, he wants me to be me, and He wants to be. I don't want to say use us. I don't think God uses us. I think He wants to present us as He's chosen in the way that we are, not what we. Because he wants to be. So, and it was, it was very, very um, moving for a lot of, you know, the, the girls that were there to experience that. And um, it just makes me really realize that sometimes it's the most 
embarrassing and degrading things that happen in your life that God uses as um, that He presents like as like almost as a trophy. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, and I forget that sometimes that it's just all it is. Yeah, exactly, Robin. So so true. That's really good. Thank you. Yeah, Lorinda. So I went to a convention this weekend down in Tukwila. And so we were staying at this brand new hotel skyscraper called Peter Urban. And we were getting ready for this big fancy dinner that we were going to. And um, my friend and I we were in the room with the window cracked. And we were getting all dressed up and everything for the dinner. And we noticed that there was some chanting going on. And, you know, like I come from Skagit County. So, like, I'm used to, you know, no offense, but like white people and a few natives. Like, I'm not used to people of color, you know? And so I looked out the window and I see these flags. And um, come to find out there, there are three flags from Ethiopia and then two American flags. And there's all these people with these signs and they're like protesting, you know? And um, so then we went out to go down the elevator and there was all these security people with like AR-15s strapped to their back. And mm. they're like patting down people in the lobby. And, and I'm like, oh my God, like you guys are so different from me. And I'm so mad that you're disrupting my dinner. <laughs> And I don't even know what's going on, right? And I like just go right into judgment, you know. And my friend goes, Brittany, you don't even know what's going on. Like, uh, and anyway, so the, the protesters they started running towards the front door. Well, come to find out, they had this Ethiopian ambassador that came to Seattle for whatever reason. I don't know. But anyway, for like a conference. But the people down protesting were saying that they were genocizing, that they were killing and raping and murdering all the Ethiopians. Yeah. This and this ambassador was responsible. So they stormed the front door. So we almost had to go on lockdown. But it was like it was like a real lesson for me, you know, because I'm a follower of Jesus that things like this happened back in the old days and things you, I don't have to judge and get angry about it anymore. You know, it's like, that's what's going on in the world today. And yeah. Wow. Sad. Yeah. Wow. You know, speaking of Ethiopians, one of the highlights of our week was we went to this kind of gathering of all these church people that no one seemed to be that as interested as we hoped they would be at what we were kind of presenting. But then that night we had we got but we were invited to to eat with these Ethiopians in uh, Buria, and so we went down there. And um, this woman who's a psych, psychiatric nurse at Harborview, and and her husband who's like an Uber driver. They turns out they are pastoring this online church with like a hundred Ethiopians from all over the world, and they wanted us to meet with them and with, the, with this Ethiopian bishop to talk about us supporting them since we do all this online training and so we they've asked us to preach and so maybe we can have some of you give testimonies when we preach at the ethiopian uh, online church isn't that cool and so anyway these people were such a blessing to us they prayed over us we prayed over them it was really powerful 
They were speaking English with a with a, a Romo accent. A Romo is the language they spoke. Yeah, but it was really fun actually. So it's true. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world, you guys, and and there's a place for your voice and your experience. And so let's pray that God would empower us and inspire us to be, you know, um, to go for it this week and just to be our natural selves bearing witness to Jesus. So God, I pray that you would help us to, uh, to see ourselves the way you see us, to accept that you qualify us to be your spokespersons, to, to, to represent you. Thank you that you're not ashamed of us, you're proud of us, and you want us to represent you. And you say, hey, here's my, my, here's my, my right-hand lady, here's my right-hand man, here's my right-hand youth, child. Like, I'm so proud of them, my spirit is upon them, and, and, and I've, I've sent them out to bring justice to the nations. Help us to be part of, to say yes to that call, and to be willing to go for it. And I, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come right now upon us and that you would uh, stir us up and stir up our faith so that we would not be muted, we wouldn't be intimidated, but we just uh, be inspired to be about your humble, beautiful mission. Pray in Jesus' name, amen.